Welcome to the Producer Podcast. This is the show where we talk to successful producers from around the world, and we ask them how they make their music, what they're doing in the studio, as far as hardware, software, talk about their careers a little bit, see if we can get you guys some marketing advice on how to market yourselves as musicians, and basically just want to get you guys becoming better producers, better marketers, and get your music out there and heard. That's the goal of the show. And we always have an amazing producer on the show. This show is no different. Joining us today is Peter O'Leary from The Wednesday Experiment. What's going on, Peter? How are you, Steve? It's, uh, it's a lovely summer's, uh, well, not summer's, it's a lovely winter's uh, sunny day in Melbourne. It's a lovely day to spend inside a studio trying to finish your album that just won't finish itself. Oh, doesn't that suck when you actually have to finish albums for them? They just don't finish I, know, I can't believe they haven't made an Ableton plug-in that just goes, finish album now, and you push it, bam, it's done. That would be, <laughs> that would be so much more help. It's getting there, man. Scarily, it's getting there. Got to get technology. I had so much higher expectations of technology by this stage. That's true. Come on, really, where is our hoverboards? It's, just, <laughs> it's too far beyond a joke now. Did you see the spoof video of hoverboards released about a year ago? That was epic. That was so epic. And people believed it. It was great. I know. It was pretty good. Hmm. Well, um, the Wednesday experiment, why don't you tell a little people a little bit about it? Uh, it's a very interesting you know, collaboration, band, what, what, what do you even call it? Just a group? Yeah, well, that's the thing. I mean, uh, that, that's the thing, I think, when making music is, is people kind of make albums or make music in frame of mind of like, it's got to be a certain style or it's got to be this or, if it, you know, if it's got to be for radio, it's got to be a three-minute track, so your chorus has to come in in the first 30 seconds and all that kind of stuff. But to be honest, I didn't have any of these kind of expectations. I wasn't, we weren't planning to actually do anything. We were just mucking around the studio making tunes that we wanted to make. So, um... Yeah, so we were just making beats one day and then my friend dragged this girl into our studio and it's like, oh, you've got to hear this girl sing. So we gave her a go and, and we were just like, whoa, where did you come from, you know? <laughs> so um, she was amazing, you know, she's, uh, she's a real star and she's never done anything before really. So it was just out of the blue. So yeah, so we just started like making tunes just for fun and, um, and then she went off away for a few months and, you know, and it was, I was just like, at the time I was just listening to a lot of sound, like just exploring new music on SoundCloud. And so every time I'd find a track that I liked, I'd like just email someone and say, hey, it was an awesome track or comment on their track or whatever. And so uh, as a result, we ended up finding like different people on SoundCloud just to make tunes with. So we made a tune with a guy in Romania called Math. So um, that's a tune called Coffee Black Clouds. And uh, we made a tune with some guys in the UK, Gary Dumperton and a few others. And um, yeah, so there's a whole bunch of tunes that we've made just with people off SoundCloud and just you know, it's not like we have any genre or any rules or anything. It's just like, if we want to make a tune, we just make it. If we want to make a 10-minute epic tune, then we're going to make a 10-minute tune. And it's funny because people have those pre-concepts of like, you know, to get on radio, you have to make a three-minute song. It has to be three minutes. But one of my favorite tunes all time of all time is Three Days by Jane's Addiction. It's a tune that's a 10-minute epic, you know, just like where you end up after listening to the song is not where you began. Hmm. You know, it just takes you on a journey. So I wanted to make tunes like that so we made this 10 minute kind of epic long tune called cigar bar where it starts off really cool and jazzy and then kicks into all these beats and then the beats progress you know it's like a 10 minute track and funnily enough as a result a radio announcer in who's from ireland but he's living in alice springs in australia at the moment loves the track and has been playing it on the radio and has been sending it to her friends in ireland to play so as a result of not doing a three minute song it got radio play <laughs> oh man so i really uh, respect you for i respect you for doing that yeah, I mean, it's just like, yeah, I think people, you know, I think so many people get bogged down in the rules of what you're supposed to do. And, and we're just like, we're just going to do whatever we want to do. And if people like it, then 
that's awesome. But if they don't, these are the tunes that we wanted to make, so that's fine. Yeah. So um, so yeah. So and it's I think it's so much more fun to do that. You know, you can just like um, yeah, you can just make whatever you want. So a lot of tunes we've made have just been with buskers that we've met on the street. So you know, when you're walking down the street and you see that busker playing that amazing thing, and you're like, whoa, that's really cool what he's doing. Well, I go, hey, come to my studio and we'll record you, and then we'll turn it into a track. And every time they go, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so there was these two Japanese guys that were hanging out in Melbourne, and one of guy played a hang drum and the other guy beatboxed. And so I basically did that. So I was like, right, you know, come to my studio. And, and so they came and jammed for an hour, and then we sent the jam to Emily, and she just picked out a part of it that she thought would work as a song. So we recorded Emily on it, and I kind of turned it into a bit more of a structure. And then... I ended up spending about 50 hours making a complete and utter remix of it, which is now the track that's on the video that I sent you. So it's a track called Slithering Beast. So, um, yeah, we just made a video for it as well. So the video was a monster out of control. So, yes, yeah, so, uh, so that's how we roll. So it's just like finding people who are doing awesome stuff and just recording them and turning that into a track. Wow. There's so many cool things in what you said that I want to touch on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, number number one is this video you made is it's trippy, it's crazy, it's really really cool. And uh, how did you get that video together? It it was a monster out of control to make that video. So basically, when we played in um, another city last year, there was a uh, artist on stage doing live art. Her name was Orly. So she's she's got her business called Fayatopa Fayatopia Artistry, and she came up with this concept. She just kind of comes up to me and goes, "Oh, you know." Oh, just I've got this idea for a video and it would match one of your tunes. Like we basically just paint this wall and then we paint this girl and the girl comes out of the painting. And I was like, right, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. And so, we, you know, we had a few Skype meetings about it. Then I just booked her a ticket to fly down from Sydney. I had no idea really what I was getting myself in for. <laughs> I had no idea of the complexity of this project. So basically, it's the whole thing is stop motion painting. So it's paint a little bit, take a photo, paint a little bit, take a photo. So we did this for 18 hours straight. <laughs> And so Orly was a trooper, you know, Orly like had the vision and everything. We had one day to shoot it. Um, and so we started at nine o'clock in the morning and, you know, it was like paint a little bit, take a photo. And but then the painting's huge as well. So at first we were bringing in a ladder. She'd climb up the ladder, paint and take the ladder away, take photo, bring the ladder in. It was taking forever. Oh so I, I ended up putting her on my shoulders and we just walked in, walked out, walked in, walked out. <laughs> so uh, after two hours of that, I was like, right, I cannot be yeah, broken. <laughs> Jeez. But, so yeah, so so she went nonstop, and she basically um, only had probably three five minute breaks, you know, like she'd just lie down and just be like, oh my, my leg, I can't even move my legs, you know. And after ten hours, and then she'd get up and go, right, let's just keep going, <laughs> you know. And it's wow. getting to like midnight, and she's going, I can't even lift my arms, my arms are just dead. <laughs> right, let's keep going, and just kept painting and kept just kept at it, you know. So um, so by about three or four in the morning, you know, and and yeah, we're all just wrecked and she's still going and finally she just puts on the final touch and goes it's finished <laughs> and we went what she's like finished and they're going click on the camera click 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 because no one knew what to do so they're like eh, eh. so yeah so it was really bizarre so That's awesome. as a as a result there were six thousand photos all up so wow. then uh yeah so then gv car and flomos from pan loop productions who were the people that made the video they um, basically spent about six months like just tinkering away at it bit by bit, um, week after week, you know, just doing a little bit here and there because they had so many bits to try, and, to try and kind of convert into photos and they had to Photoshop so, many other pho Photoshop so many of the photos to make the colors match and all that kind of stuff. 
So yes, so it was a monster out of control, but it finally is finished, and it's very awesome to have it out there. No, uh, that's that's amazing. Those are the kind of jobs and the kind of art you make where you're, when you're done, you're like, wow, that was so fun. That was so worth it. It you know you're like sore the next day, but it's just worth it. Yeah, totally. You talked about you know finding people on SoundCloud, finding like street musicians and and playing with them. Do you have like I know and I know on your website there's like we have no genre. But how could you describe the kind of music you make? I think it's kind of um, industrial trip-hop is a word I've been using. Okay. So uh, Emily's voice is very trip-hop-ish. It's very portis heady kind of massive attacky. So um, yeah, so that's her voice. And then I make all these crazy beats, you know, like like um, everything from kind of jungle to like glitch-hop to like, you know, just, just really sporadic trip-hop, like the first few couple of songs were trip-hop. So uh, yeah, and we just like to make whatever we want to make. But um. Yeah, if, people, if, it was, if I was to label it to one genre, I would say industrial trip-hop, which I don't know if that is a genre, but <laughs> I've made it up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Or, um, or otherwise, uh, for a while, they were saying like soulful vocals, massive beats. Yeah, I like that. Massive, massive beats is in capitals. SBMB, soulful vocals, massive beats. Yeah, there you go. Mm. So that's what, how you, it's what program do you use to make your music? I've gone through a lot of the different phases of doing all the different programs. So uh, I used to record bands in a studio. So I used to record bands just using Pro Tools. Mm -hmm. And that was good. You know, Pro Tools, I think, was really good for that. But I think Pro Tools has kind of had its day now. It was definitely the industry leader for a long time. But um, then I went to Logic Pro because I was working with another producer who only used Logic Pro 9. And that, that was really cool. Like, it was good. But then I started trying to record bands on Logic and it didn't, I don't know, it, it, I don't think it's quite equipped to record bands. It was like, had lots of, I think maybe at the time it was buggy and we kept losing audio files and all this stuff. So, um, but, it, but it was still good as a producing program and, and it's got like every instrument and all that kind of stuff that you ever yeah. need. Yeah. Uh, and then I started using, like started getting into Ableton. So I was using Logic Rewide with Ableton for probably a year. So um, that was awesome because you can just do anything. And, it's, and if you're trying to change from one program to another, it's a really good way to do it because it, it, it takes a long time to learn where the sounds you want to hear in your head are in the program so it's like you can hear a sound and you're like in your head but you're like what instrument do i use to make it so it takes right. a long time to learn those instruments so yeah so using logic rewired with ableton was really cool just becomes a pain in the ass having two like programs running all the right. time right. so um and it seemed to run fine on my mac like it never had you know problems running it was just like trying to remember where you did you know different bits and and for a while there i was using reason as well so i was like midiing reason and so using all three which was pretty crazy that is crazy <laughs> I was, a, I was actually only using one element of reason, just Dr. X, like loop, drum, whatever it is. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, someone came, I was just showing someone when they came around, they're like, what is this? You're insane. <laughs> so, um, yeah, and so now I've just gone all Ableton this year. And, and one of the hard things with finishing this album is so many of the tracks were made in a combination of all those programs. <laughs> so, you know, trying to like mix and master things and then there's, then there's old VST plugins that you were using at the time but don't work on your computer anymore because you haven't booted the track up for two years or something. So um, part of the yeah, hard difficulty has been finding all of the stems and having all the bits work properly. So um, yes, and, and another difficulty with finishing this album is the fact that to make a song, you know, to get like a track from someone from SoundCloud who's a bedroom producer and and record someone on it and put it online and make it sound pretty good, that's fine. But trying to get it to the level where the whole album flows um, has been monstrous <laughs> because they're all different recordings, they're all from different times, they're all from different people. So uh, Yeah, that's got to yes. be crazy. 
Yeah, Plus, you took on the job. You said you took on the job with this album of mixing and mastering the album yourself, right? I, well, yeah, I did. So um, the mixing side of it is not so hard, but the, the, that was like something that I would have done. But the mastering side was out of control because, um, yeah, because I figured like it's you know to get good mastering, it's probably eighty bucks a song, and there's sixteen songs on the album. There was actually going to be nineteen, but we had to cut it down so it would fit onto a CD. Huh. So uh, my goal you're think, was to, you're like, thinking like, yeah, I'll save some money, right? Well, that's it. So um. I figured like to, you know, because that's the thing, if you don't promote your album, then there's no point even having an album. So, cause no one's going to hear it. So, um, I figured that instead of spending the, what is it? $1,200, $1,500 or something on mastering, I may as well use that money on promoting the album and then just master it myself. And I thought, yeah, it's, you know, I've mastered other people's albums and stuff. And I wouldn't say I'm the best at doing it or anything, but, um, I think it's, you know, a reasonable job. And uh, yeah, and so now it's turned into a monster out of control. <laughs> it's been absorbing my entire life for like the last <laughs> month or more trying to do this, trying, trying to make all of these tracks, you know, because you want your tracks to kind of, when you put them on the stereo, it's like they're banging and they're jumping out at you. And to do that to 16 songs that are all completely different is, yeah, been really, really tough. <laughs> so <I've>, so <laughs> I'm, now, I'm now down to the last, I've got two tracks to tinker with and um yeah, and I'm pretty much, well, I'm going to have it done today. Today, today, today. So it's a lovely day to spend the day inside the studio. Very cool. Good luck with that. And, and then I can actually get on with my life and make some new songs. That's what I'm most looking forward to. Oh, that sounds like fun. Mm. It, it, is good, it is a good change, though, mixing up from doing the creative process to going into like mixing or mastering and then coming back. It's a good back and forth. Mm. I know? think so. I think, yeah, I think I've definitely learned a lot about thing, tunes that I've made by trying to master them because I found it before that I couldn't analyze my own music. I, I couldn't analytically listen to it because it's a track you made, you know, whereas yeah. now I've had to force myself to sit and do it and compare it to all the other tracks and, right. you know, is it work on this stereo, is it work on that stereo? So, yeah, I think as a result, it's helped me kind of do, you know, or will help me in the future do better with yeah. recording things and, and just do things in a slightly different way or whatever. Cool. Um, yeah, it's been a big learning curve. It's been a big curve of probably what not to do, I guess. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, don't but, know. I was going to ask you, would uh, you recommend that people try mastering their own stuff every once in a while? Oh, de yeah, definitely. Um, try and master your own stuff for sure. But yeah, just doing 16 of them in a row was like, <laughs> it's killed me. It's killed me. But uh, yeah. that's the thing. We're almost on top of it. So I think, yeah, I think it is definitely good to send it to someone else because, you know, then they listen to it with fresh ears. And especially if you're the one that, was the writer of the song or, or you know producer of the song so um yeah i think i would love to have sent it to someone else and ideally what i would love to do is be able to just produce and write tracks then dropbox all the stems to someone to mix and master that would be ideal because working on your own stuff analytically is very boring because you're not being creative you're just analyzing and working on it so um, right so ideally, that's what I'd love to do. But of course, then you've got to pay that person. You've got to find money to pay them and all that kind of this stuff. So that's, that's the, that's the long-term goal of something or other sometime, somewhere, maybe. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you, though. I, I listened to a podcast called The Home Recording Show. And uh, they had a guest on there from a site called Crowd Audio. And basically, he, it's like a crowd. I don't want to say crowdfunding, but it's like crowd mixing. Basically, you post a track on Crowd Audio that you want mixed. And all these guys will do a mix for you. Yeah, right. And then you, you basically pay the person who did the best mix. You pick the, the mix that you like the best and you pay wow. him. Yeah, they, they just started a few months ago. I, don't, I hope the site's still active. I'm not sure. But I think it's a great idea. Yeah, um, I'll, um, I'll check that out. Send me a link to it or something at all. Have yeah, yeah, definitely. That would, that would be fun. Now, have you learned anything through this process of the album? I mean, obviously, you know how to 
do this stuff before, but through all the mixing and mastering, do you, are there any production tips that you Absolutely. got out of creating this album that you could give the listeners here? Absolutely, 100%. Where do I begin? <laughs> you got an hour. <laughs> um, so I think one of, the, one of the main things, I'll start off with this. One of the main ethoses I have of recording is because so many times, especially when you've gone to like your studio college or whatever and, and you're, you're learning how to record, you're so focused on trying to capture this perfect sound and trying to, you know, is the preamp right, is this right, is the compressor right, da, da, da. Yeah. So focused on that, you forget about actually capturing the vibe of what's happening, you know. What you're trying to do is capture a feeling and, a, and the soul of someone, you know. And, and when you put a record on, like, like so many people are like, oh, no, no, it has to be done to a click track. This is the way it has to be done. Can you imagine James Brown walking into a studio and going, come on, to a click track? <laughs> it would never happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, to me, like recording is you, you've got to be, you know, you've got to capture that vibe and that sound. And, and if the sound quality, like, is going to suffer a little bit as a result, then that's the way it is. So if you're recording like a hip-hop MC... You know, it's cool to have them in with the headphones and with a condenser and all that stuff. But if they're really uncomfortable and you're not getting a good vibe on that, you should just get them into the studio with the music coming through the speakers. Give them an SM58 like they're used to using and just get them to rap and hearing the music live exactly the way they do it. And of course, you're not going to have this premium sound quality, but the vibe you get from them is going to be so much better on the recording. And that's what people are going to hear. You know, they're not right. going to hear this, you know, oh, it rolls off at 10K or it rolls off at whatever. Right. They're just going to hear this MC going, bam, this is it. This is where it's at, you know. So um, I think that's totally like one thing that gets overlooked far too often in studios. And I think that the best vocal takes you get or the best recordings that you get from people are not from the moment you hit record. It's from the minute they walk into the studio. It's the feeling that they get when they walk in there. So when they come in there, have some tunes playing and, you know, they're getting like a really good vibe on what's going to happen and, they sit down and make sure before they come, you test all of the technology. So as soon as they're sitting down, you know, they're not like, oh, my headphones aren't working. Right. They're sitting down and they're jamming and they're just enjoying themselves and playing and then you're getting the best takes, you know. So, right. um, so that, was a, that was one part of it. Coming and back. You, and, it, you, and you apply this when like, you have guys come into your studio? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, so it all begins from when they first walk in, you know, and then, you know, keeping a good vibe and all that kind of stuff. Right. And then, uh, yeah, and... So, so coming back to recording stuff, um, even produ even anything, creating, production, mixing, mastering, any yep, tips yep. you have on, yeah. One one tip um, that I think is really good, which I've learned the hard way a little bit, is the fact that if you're making a session now in Logic or something, in two years that session probably isn't going to open the way <laughs> you have it now because you you know computers right. change, updates, and all that kind of stuff. So what you should do is every now and then just bounce your track out of stems and Dropbox it. So in two, and so when you Dropbox it, it's like in this online cloud somewhere. So in two years, when you come back to tinker with that track, you can just go, Doom, here's all the stems, reload it into whatever program you're using now, and, um, and bam, you're ready to go. That's so such that was, a good idea. Yeah, that's one big thing that, that I've had a lot of difficulty with. And actually this afternoon, I have to go back into my old hard drive archives and find a session just to, just to basically get a stem out of one track. <laughs> so um the problem yeah, with Dropbox is it's you know it used to be they only give you 100 gigs for 10 bucks now I think they're giving you a terabyte I'm not sure Oh wow I don't know I'm, I pay like 100 dollars a year or something and okay. get like 100 gig but I use it every day so I don't know for me it's for me the 100 dollars is worth it but No totally I, mean, I agree you know, everyone else has to decide themselves or something Um so another good tip that I learned along the way actually from an Ill Gates workshop is 
one big problem I was having when making tracks is you get to the point where there's like a hundred channels and there's midis and all this kind of stuff and you get to the point where you're too scared to try to change anything because you're worried it's going to affect everything else, especially when yeah. there's gates and compressors and side chains and all that stuff. And so it really limits your creativity in making a track. So what I, uh, what he said to do, which was has been like a total revolution for me, is bounce the whole thing down to just six stems. So you've got drums, bass, vocals, you know, other bits <laughs> and other other bits, and then um, import those six stems into a new track, into a new session, and then uh, and then just go fresh from there. So you've got basically your tune, but you're suddenly limited by all of this thing, you know, and and if you still want to get sounds out of the old session you can but you know it's it, it's just like a whole new life a whole new breath of life and then you can start chopping editing changing speeding up tempos or whatever you're not limited by this whole head full of technology that you're afraid is going to go wrong plus also i i think the fact that you kind of burned it to a wave file and you can't change it after that kind that's of it. forces you to go get on with it you know that's it i think that limitations help creativity i think when you're like uh, in ableton you're just in this unlimited world of being able to do anything. But once you put a limitation on it, you sort of become creative in a different way. Yeah, exactly. So, um, exactly. And I think that's like typical of like when the Prodigy and that were making their album, you know, Ableton didn't exist. And so they were limited by what a sampler could do and they pushed the samplers to the limit. And that right. spawned the creativity to make that kind of music, I guess. It's true. So, it's true. Hmm. Cool tip so far. Yeah. And another one is every net, like, don't just keep the whole thing in one session, you know, go file, save as and number it. So, so every, yeah. like, every time you're going to change something drastic, you're like, oh, I'm going to speed up the tempo, 10 BPM or whatever, go file, save as, just label the session number two, speed up tempo. And then, you know, and then if you don't like it, you can just go back to the session you had before. Or if you're going to like chop, you know, the end of the, the middle of the song out or something, just go file, save as number three, chop middle of song. And so you can always go back to sessions that you've had before, but you're not, yeah, you're not afraid of ruining what you've already got. So those, exactly. probably those two points have really, really changed the whole songwriting aspect for me. No, that's so cool. And when you do save as, it, you know, the, the project file, it only takes up a tiny, tiny piece of hard drive space. It's not like you're saving like tons of waves, so there's no reason why you shouldn't do that. No, that's right. It's, it's um, yeah, I mean, it's still seeing the waves from the same audio folder, so. Right. And I think some dolls now, I can't remember which ones, but I remember I try to stay on top of them all. Um, they allow you to do versions, like different versions, I think, for specific tracks. So you can, like, do version one and version two for one specific track of one instrument. It's almost like doing a save as for one track, you know. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, this is, that's it's pretty the cool same, idea. Similar um, theory. Similar yeah. Thing. What about soft synths? What do you use? What's your favorite? Um, I did, I have gone through phases of trying and all installing all the different plugins and all that kind of stuff, but now I've pretty much just come down to Massive, um, for, you know, bassy, dubby kind of things, um, Absinthe for, like, keyboards and, um, so one thing I do is, like, you know, you play the part in MIDI, or you create the piano part in MIDI, and then you just go, like, and then just record that sound with five different synths, so you put, like, one Absinthe preset, Record that, you know, into audio, then create a new track, create it, go find another synth uh, in Absynth, play the same part, and so record it as a fresh sound. So you end up with a layer of five different sounds of five different synths, but all playing exactly the same part. Hmm. And so that's that's actually really awesome to create really fresh, um, new kind of sounds. So actually in that video, I, I'm actually going to make a little 
produces video of it, but I'll show awesome. you. There's, there's, there's definitely parts in there when the big change-up comes where there's a good five or six or more layered synths just doing all that in absinthe. So, um, yeah, it's a really good way to go. That's awesome. And then, you know, to give it that fullness, I'm sure. Totally. And, and then you can pick and you can sort of automate different parts of the synths to come up and down as the thing progresses. So, um, yeah. that's been really good. Uh, other plugins I use are Tornado, so T U R N A D O. And Who Tornado, uh, Sugarbytes. Okay. So, Tornado is awesome. It's like, it's, it's really good because it's basically, it's, it's just designed to be able to do any amount of effects with one dial. So you, you have one dial, you turn it up, and it's just, you know, 127 different sounds and thing. So when you're getting bored of, or, or you're stuck on a track and you're not sure what to do, you know, then you go file, save as, bounce your stems out, go file, save as, make, and then add Tornado and just stick Tornado on things and just start, you know, just looks like Beat Splicer, like you can, you know, it's Flanger, everything. It's got delays and stuff. So you just start doing crazy stuff and, and recording the output onto a separate track. So you just get your beats, just get your beats, put Tornado on, record the output, and then, um, yeah, and then just see what comes out, like all this crazy stuff. And then you can pick bits out of that and that can become, you know, the new part of the track or the, the new idea that you didn't know that you knew you were looking for. Definitely. Did that make I sense? I got to check out. <laughs> I gotta, yeah, yeah, no, it does. I, I was trying to check out Tornado on the website as you were talking, but then it just started blasting a, a audio file right in my ear as you were talking. So I like to turn it off. I, it's, I hate turn- sites that autoplay. It's the worst know, thing ever. Yeah, Especially if you're right. at work and trying to be subtle. <laughs> <laughs> that's not right. It's not good mm. etiquette. Um, is it, so it's real easy in Tornado to just get a totally different sound with like just Absolutely. switching a couple knobs. Yeah, that's what that's Yeah, if, you, if you've ever seen Beardy Man, pretty much the world's best beatboxer, there is in Tornado, there is the Beardy Man presets. <laughs> really? So, uh, so while he's beatboxing, it's designed to be like so simple. So yeah, so you like turn wow. one knob and, and all this stuff happens. So, so you can awesome. pre-program it so, so easily. And there's a dice function. So if you don't even know what sound you're looking for, you just hit the dice and it goes to random <laughs> and just nice. keep hitting dice until you go, oh, that's a cool sound. <laughs> so um, That's cool. Yeah, in the, in the Beardy Man presets, there's a, there's a preset called I Wub You More. And you just put that on <laughs> anything and you've got an awesome track. Really? Great. I got to check that out. How much is Tornado? Oh, it's, uh, it's not too expensive. I can't remember really. It's probably under $100. It wasn't outrageous. Oh, good. good. Yeah, it was fine. Buy your plugins, boys and girls listening. It's a good yeah, thing to yeah. do. Also, buying your plugins like helps creativity, actually. It actually does. Like it, the, the less amount of plugins you have, like, okay, so you can't afford all of them, obviously. No one can. Well, not too many people can. But mm. so, yeah, just buy the ones and use them to death, and um, you'll have a different sound than everybody else. I, mm. I'm, I'm just an advocate of like, you know, buying everything you use. It keeps the business going. It, you Absolutely. feel better about yourself. It's the ethical thing to do. Yeah. That's the thing. Then, then the updates will continue to work, and your cracked plugins <laughs> won't stop working one day. Exactly. Especially when you're halfway through a gig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so that's actually good what you say because I um now I've pretty much just gone back to using native plugins in Ableton, like yeah. just using the native compressor and all that stuff, and you know stop like I've stopped spending time trying to find all of these amazing plugins and just I don't know just using the simple ones and that sound fine and trying to make better music or spend more time making the music rather than rather than obsessing over trying to find things, you know, technology and stuff. Exactly. And there's so mm. many good free ones, too. I mean, Synth 1, I pulled that out the other day, and uh, I can't get enough of how good that sounds. It's a great synth. Right. Did you ever use it. Synth 1? Oh, I don't actually. Yeah, I haven't really used that one. I use um, Operator a lot. Operator's yeah. pretty cool. And then I do sample a lot of sounds to create synths. So one track we made, uh, I don't think it's made it to the album, but... 
I, I just sampled Emily's voice and then laid it up in a synth. And um, so yeah, so I created a lot of my own synths, which is which is really fun. Just How do you do that? You mean just by just grabbing samples and? Yeah, basically, like you just go into sampler and simpler, yeah. and um, yeah, and then just kind of put the sound in there, and then there's all LFO functions and twist and warp it and all this stuff, and then as you play it, it creates like a new sound. Exactly. I so, got. It. Uh, I've been getting into that too myself. I really like uh, what what I really like doing these days is just really shortening the waveform of the sample down to like almost a millisecond, and and playing just that sound. Oh yeah. It, it totally changes the pitch. It usually puts it in some crazy octave that's not even the right one. But if you key it down and transpose it, you get some really crazy sounds out of that. There's a there's a great Max for Live plugin like that called something that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> where basically instead of taking um, just a sample, it takes it takes a single sample or a few single samples out of the sound. So um it's really amazing, and I wish I could remember the name of it. Yeah, I think, I think uh, no, I have seen... It's, it's, it's made by the guy that invented it. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to Google it. it made for, oh, the guy who invented Max for Live, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, one of the guys that I invented, Ableton. Oh, Ableton, uh, okay. Anyway, that was a yeah. bad radio there. I'm sure somebody <laughs> will write in and tell us. No, that's yeah. all right, that's all right. This encourages input from the listeners. Yeah. What, what about hardware? Do you have any hardware in your studio that you like? Um, I would like to have more hardware things <laughs> and I don't really have enough money to buy any. <laughs> um, yeah, one of my friends has a Moog keyboard and when he brings it around, it's magic. Like, like I do have a Valve compressor, so we plug it into that and just anything that you play just sounds amazing. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's just the tone is just so rich and so warm. So, uh, I would love to get like one of those, you know, big Moogs with the big, all the big dials and stuff or, or a, um. Or uh, Korg, uh, what are they called? M88s, Korg. Uh, they make a mini MS20, I think it is. Yeah, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get one of those as well. So one of my friends has like a studio set up with just about every different kind of electronic instrument that there is, and wow. so you go around there and he can just make live he can just make live techno or live whatever. So you go around there and he's just jamming and he's the master of starting tunes and never finishing anything ever. <laughs> He's got like 200 songs underway, which is like, yeah, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna finish one one day. So, exactly, that's what like many musicians are like that. Mm. Um, have you tried any of the Arturia, like the Micro Brute and Mini Brute? They're so good and they're so cheap. Um, no, definitely my mic- Micro Brute is my next. If I am getting another piece of hardware, that's gonna be my next piece of hardware. It's only two ninety nine. You should check it out. Oh yeah, it's full analog synth. Yeah. Yeah right. That sounds uh, sounds good. I'll uh, check it cool. out. Sure. Yeah, and it's cool oh. how you it's cool how you can plug your own sounds into an analog synth. Like, so you can you can feed it in, and then you can use all the LFOs on your own sound that you're feeding into it, rather than having to play the keyboard on it. Yeah, so, yeah, I love that. So that's stuff. something that I want to start doing live more as well. Just being able to do crazy stuff, you know. Sure, and and use Ableton while you're doing it. Yeah, totally. So yeah. it'll be like Ableton will be like the head of it, and then you know feeding sounds into crazy stuff and just yeah, being experimental because I guess we are the Wednesday experiment. So got to experiment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fitting name. It's a fitting it's a, name. See the name. <laughs> now, why, since you brought it up, let's talk about it. What? A, how did that name come about? Basically, because my friend just brought Emily into my studio on a Wednesday, so <laughs> you know that was pretty much it. Like he just brought her in, and and we were, and we ended up making three tracks in the first kind of two days that we met because Emily was on her way to go to a meditation camp for a month in Tasmania, which is south of of here. And um, so she was basically not going to be able to talk to or write anything down for a whole month. It's like a total meditation thing. 
So uh, you I can't, can't send a singer to a meditation camp. Well, she wasn't a singer at the time. She was just this girl we met. So she was she was coming down from Queensland. She's only in Melbourne for a week or something. So we just happened to meet, and then I made these three tracks, and or we, the three of us made these three tracks, and um, yeah, and she went away for a month. And when she came out of that, she went to this living on someone's farm for five weeks. And in the meantime, I'd put the tracks on SoundCloud, and they started going crazy. So I was like ringing her and texting her and emailing her and not hearing a single thing. And finally, she gets online again after, what, two months or more <laughs> and sees these SoundCloud tracks and all these comments and all these plays. It's like, uh, oh, my God. So, um, so we get her to come back to Melbourne. And when she came back to Melbourne, she was just broke. Like, she's a real kind of nomad kind of girl. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she, was, she had not a dollar to her name. So, she basically lived in my recording studio for two months because she had nowhere to live or no money. So... <laughs> That's convenient for you. It was very ha- convenient. Having a singer live in your studio, I, that's, I can't think of a better th- place for her to live. Yeah, so while she was away, I just, I just wanted to put the tracks in line, so I just came up with the Wednesday experiment, like, yeah, it's cool, it was Wednesday, man, it's cool. And um, yeah, and then it all kind of spawned from there, so then we started making music, and people started pl- booking us to play shows, which was really crazy. I couldn't have never yeah, imagined you- playing a show. <laughs> so, really? No, that's that's that really, funny. really cool. Mm. That's a great story. I mean, I, I'm looking on your SoundCloud, and you're, you have all kinds of collabs. And uh, you know, one of our past guests, Defunk. Oh um, yeah, you guys have done a lot of stuff with him. Yeah, we've done a couple of tracks with Defunk. I met him. We played at a festival in Alice Springs, in the middle of Australia, and um, that's where I met him. And you know, we were just hanging out. And actually, the really good thing about that festival was there was no um, internet or phone or anything for five days. You know, and, and all the artists were in this one great big dormitory. So. For five days, you had nothing else to distract you other than just hanging out with musicians and talking about music. So uh, it was really cool. So we ended up, yeah, we got along with Defunk pretty well. And then at some point, he sent us a track. So I recorded Emily and sent it back to him. So we've done that twice now. So we've had a track on both of his albums, which has been really cool. Yeah, and, that's um, awesome. And we've done that with quite a few producers. So people just send me the track. Then I get Emily, they, I send it to Emily. She kind of makes up words and stuff. And um, yeah, and she's amazing the way she works. You know, you can just get like, She's such an unassuming little character, but she just sits there and, you know, you're playing at a beat. She's kind of sitting there and she's like, oh, yeah, you know, for 20 minutes scribbles in a little notebook and, you know, and then she'll go, oh, I, th- I, think I've, I think I've got something, you know. And so she'll get up and put the headphones over a beanie and, and then get onto the mic and let out the most incredible thing you've ever heard. <laughs> and you go, what? Where did that come from? Oh, that's and so the, cool. With her, man, especially, it's always the first take is the one, you know. So if your gear isn't set up ready to go, you've missed it. <laughs> really? She, she never, never ever sings the same thing twice, you know. So you go, I'll just do that again. Or, you know, just, she just doesn't. She just sings it differently every time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so she's amazing. That's so, great. That's really awesome. Well, so what, did you, what would you say is the highlight of your career thus far musically? Um, I think we played at a festival last year called Bojangles and it was really cool because we were just kind of, it's like a, in Melbourne, the, the electronic scene is huge. You know, there's so many gigs and last night I went to six of them, <laughs> you know, and so they have a lot of doof, um, type gigs out in the hills. So pretty much every weekend, especially throughout the summer, there's just people taking sound systems out to the state forest and just having like a three day party for 500 people. Wow. So we were playing at this one called Bojangles and we were just kind of mid afternoon and at the time, like this is probably, this is actually a year ago. So we were doing a lot more chill stuff then. We've done a lot more industrial kind of stuff now. Yeah. But um, yeah, so we were just a mid afternoon set, and you know, it's a dwarf. So everyone's been going hard all night, and they're all just chilling out under the trees. And as we a started, dwarf? Like, What's, did you say a, a dwarf? A dwarf, a D O O F. It's called a bush dwarf. What is that? 
Yeah, well, it's, it's basically what I'm describing. It's like people take sound systems out into the forest. Oh, just, that's what generator. that is. I get you. That's what that is. It's a bush tool. <laughs> I so, get you. Yeah, I guess it's an Australian term. <laughs> so it's quite anyway, go in ahead. Australia. So yeah, you were playing so, Bojangles and what happened? Yeah, and then, um, and then just as we started to play, like people were getting up from the shade and just coming down. And by the end of the set, like there was just like this huge crowd and oh, it was awesome. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so uh, it, was very, it was very unexpected as well. We just thought we'd play and everyone was chill and that'd be it. But yeah, so that was, um, that was definitely one of the highlights of last year. It was really cool. That and sounds playing, amazing. Playing at Bojangles again this year. So we're really looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, that, that sounds amazing. I could kind of picture it as you were talking about it. And it's those unexpected moments, like they could happen in, a, in an instant. You know what I mean? That mm. just, That's the kind of stuff that's gold, I think. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was so much fun. What would you say really helped your career along as you're progressing and, you know, go, taking, going to the next level, getting more collaborations, getting out there more? Like, what do you feel is really helping you the most to achieve um, that success? I think... Uh, I mean, I guess the really big thing is just sticking at it, <laughs> hmm. sticking at and keeping up with it, you know, just, just yeah. keeping up, you know, cause you know, if you're going to do a show, you've got to go and promote your show. You've got to put posters around, you've got to do it and you've got to keep at it. You've got to keep going to venues night after night after night and putting your posters around to all the different venues and advertising your show. And, and if you're going to be recording music, you know, it's, and making music, it's just, you know, you're booking people to come to your house and play and sing and all that stuff. And just keeping it rolling, keeping it going, not, yeah. you know, if you stop for, you know, so many people just stop and for like four months and everything kind of dries up. So, but if you keep things rolling, you keep like enthusiasm happening and stuff's always happening and, you know, and, and so if enthusiasm's high and people are excited about what you're doing and you're excited about what you're doing and then everything keeps rolling. Um, yeah. And I guess another big thing that I think kills it for a lot of people is listening to advice from other people, especially hmm. about the music that you're making. And actually, one of the podcasts I was listening to of yours before, um, just before this interview started, the guy was saying, please, like, listen to my music and send me exactly what you think. Send me the critique of it all. I'm like, man, I don't know if I want to hear all that. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make music that we want to make. <laughs> I know. You know and, I... and people like, and so many people like play tracks to other people and then they go oh it's good but the chorus isn't this or this or that or whatever oh it needs to be this right. now and that's just one person's opinion but that can right. totally bog someone down especially if you're a new producer so um yeah so i mean just you know it sounds crazy but just don't take other people's advice <laughs> no that's good advice <laughs> because people should take do your own thing <laughs> yeah so you're saying people should take your advice of taking of not taking other people's advice <laughs> that's it it's, it's okay. a topsy-turvy world today Steve. <laughs> yeah. so what, what no, have you got yeah. Oh, it's, you know, and just, yeah, it's just like, don't take advice and just don't follow the rules, you know? Just do whatever you want to make. Make whatever you want to make and be happy with that. I'm telling you, I, I have not found anybody yet who's really making waves or like being ground, make, doing anything groundbreaking that has followed the rules. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Like the bands that I used to listen to um, as a teenager and stuff were like Sonic Youth and, and Aphex Twin and, you know, those kind of guys, like, I love that stuff and Square Pusher. And have they ever followed any kind of rule ever? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, if Sonic Youth didn't break something or smash something, it just wasn't a Sonic Youth gig, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that was their rule. That was their rule. <laughs> well, how have you found is the most effective way to market your music and get it out there? Um, I, can, I could talk for a whole other show on this, probably. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah, so 
basically I decided like, cause I'd, I'd gone to lots of music industry conferences and all that kind of stuff and read music industry books and these things. And they're all kind of telling you the same kind of things. This is that works? This is licensing, blah, 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 blah. So I was really trying to think of a way to do things differently. And I think the music industry is changing. And I think the people that work out or know how to adapt to that change are the ones that are going to win. Yeah. So what I did last year was I spent a good six months or a year just listening, like learning everything about business marketing, like nothing to do with music, learning everything about business marketing, everything about, you know, how businesses do it, listening to podcasts, all that kind of stuff. And it was really interesting because it gives you a totally different perspective on the world. You realize, you know, like just all the ways that companies are trying to manipulate you into buying their products in a sense. <laughs> so, um, so I learned all that stuff. Um, and to bring stuff across to music, I guess it's, I think, a re- really good way to, it kind of, kind of makes you realize that, uh, that if you've got like 10 different pictures and, and one of the things with us is people are confused because every video they've seen, there's a different person in it and every, you know, so in a sense, we're like the worst marketed thing in the world. <laughs> because if you're a good marketed band, you know, you've made one genre, you're playing one genre, whereas we're like, oh, what gigs do we fit in? So... I don't know. Now I guess I've confused myself. I've talked about all the stuff that I learned and not applied any of it to anything anywhere. I learned about all the things that I didn't want to do. <laughs> I didn't want to be a marketed man. I just wanted to do what I want. That's so hilarious. let's go back to talking about marketing music. <laughs> so um, SoundCloud is the best way to get started. So if you're a new producer and the best thing you can do is rather than obsess about whether your song's good or not, stick it on SoundCloud. And the thing with SoundCloud is it's very interactive. So basically, if you have a track on your SoundCloud and you go and comment on other people's SoundClouds, especially if their track is, you know, freshly up there within like a few weeks and only yeah. has a few comments, then there's a 99% chance that they're going to come back and listen to your song mm-hmm. and put a comment on yours. And so, you know, so basically that's a really interactive way to get your music out there and just like, you know, people will come back and comment on your song and hopefully will say it's good or, you know, maybe they won't, I don't know. But... um. Yeah, so basically, if you spend you know a good hour a day or two hours a day doing this, then you're going to end up with lots and lots of plays and lots and lots of people that have checked out your song. Interesting. And yeah, and then you know, then they might want to hear more. And then you know, obviously, alongside that, you want to have your Facebook page set up so as they're like listening to their song, and if they like it, they'll click on your Facebook and then they will like your Facebook. Right. And this is this is the total interactive way to get it started to get the ball rolling. Hmm. Good stuff, man. And you kind of reminded me we had a guest on named Emily Coy. Uh, she she was on early on the show, I think like show 18, 19, or 20. Um, she works for a company called Cloud Killers, which does basically what you're talking about, but as a group. It's it's a group oh, yeah? of indiv- it's a yeah, it's a group of people. It's a site you could sign up for and join this community where they legitimately go and listen to other people's tracks and rate them. It's not uh-huh. a spammy, scammy type of thing where it's like, mm. you know, just like share my track or play follow for follow, play my track, listen to my tunes. It's like you have to leave a legit comment. You actually show how you actually listen to their song. And, um, you know, there's thousands right. and thousands of people in this community. So it's it's right. a good tool for getting good feedback and also, you know, getting points and, you know, just helping, that's helping out the SoundCloud community and helping people get more plays as well as yourself, you know? so Yeah, yeah. And it's just, yeah, you're basically not doing anything wrong by doing this. You're just sharing your music and listening to other people's music. Yeah. And... You're checking out other people's music while doing it. And so, you know, if you like someone else's music, totally comment on it and tell them what you like about the track, you know, and, um, and then go to their Facebook page and click like. And so you're basically like disconnecting with like-minded people because you're right. the, the, the weird thing is there are people out there that aren't interested in music. 
it's really weird. Can you imagine being one of those people? <laughs> so if you're trying to play your track to your friends and they're, they're the people that aren't interested in music, then you're just like, you're wasting your time because they're just going to make jokes about it. So I know. by doing it by SoundCloud, your other producers are listening to your music and you're <laughs> exactly. listening to other music. So it's people that like music. It's true. It's true. So what do you feel is the best piece of advice you could give to an aspiring producer right now? Uh, I actually think that may have been it. <laughs> That's good. Put it on SoundCloud and become interactive, you know, and just and just get yeah, just make the music that you want to make. Like, don't listen to you know, don't fall into the traps of everything else that everyone else is doing. Yeah, do crazy stuff. Do if you like a sound, you know, if you're like grandma's washing machine sounds like dubstep on spin cycle, go and record that with your <laughs> thing and use that as a sample in a track. There are no rules, you know. So when I had my birthday party here um, recently. There was, uh, there was a good amount of people, so I had a Zoom recorder going around, and I oh. was basically like, like I advertised it. I said, don't bring any birthday presents. Just think of an awesome hook or a line or whatever for a track, and I'm going to have a Zoom recorder there. So on the day, the Zoom recorder is going around, you know, and everyone's doing all this crazy stuff and telling stories. And I said, just, just tell the story of how you grew up or tell whatever, anything. Huh. Huh. And um, yeah, so I've had a bit of a listen. I haven't gone through all yet, but hey, listen, there's so much crazy stuff in there. So it's is just it use like- Some of the stuff usable? Oh, yeah, for sure, man. There's, cra there's crazy stuff. And of course, you know, as the night progressed and people had more beers, <laughs> things get crazier and stupider. So um, I haven't got into that aspect of it yet. But it's <laughs> just like, let's just go out in the city with a Zoom recorder and just record sounds and find new things to do, you know, find new ways of doing things. Don't just sit there and let down. If you download, sit there and download a sample pack and that's your only source of making music, then it's not overly creative, you know? Yeah. It's a good way to get yeah. started, but, but just go and find fresh things that, you know, other people aren't doing. I really like the way you approach this, man. It's you, you make it fun. You, the, how you're explaining it, the way you do your music, it sounds like you really have a blast doing it. It's 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 been an epic adventure, and to be honest, we never even thought that we would even be releasing an album or talking really? on a podcast. We were just having fun. <laughs> and then well, tell yeah, us about your, and when people yeah. started booking us for shows, you know, and then it was like, oh, okay, we'll do a show, and then people booked us for another show, and then people started turning up the shows, and it was like, whoa, this is crazy. <laughs> That's great. That's a great story. Uh, tell us about your album, when it's going to be released, and uh, you know, tell us where people could find you and your music. We have a brand new album coming out. It is coming out on September 13th, and we're very excited about it. Um, yes, and it has 16 songs, like I mentioned, so it was a mission. And uh, there's tracks from people from all over the world, so, well, aspects of tracks that people have sent us beats or this or that, and we've used them and, and stuff. So it comes out on September 13th. You will be able to check it out at www.thewednesdayexperiment.com, uh, www which is all one word. Um, yes, and I'll have links to it up there. So hopefully by the time this podcast comes out, it will be up there loaded and it will actually be finished, which will hopefully be done today. And nice. check out our video as well, the one with the 18 hours of art and the 6,000 photos because, yeah, that was just a monster to make. So please go and have a look at it. <laughs> now, where could they see that? Because I, I thought I saw a Facebook post you had that it got pulled off of YouTube. Uh, it did get pulled off YouTube. I... Oh. At first, because there is a nude model in it, but she's not. She's painted, you know. So ah. at first, we thought that it got pulled off for that. What it actually happened was the fact that I was trying to, because I'd learned all of this internet marketing stuff, you know, like yeah. how to put things in blogs and how to do all this stuff. Yeah. You know, so basically, I was so excited about it, uh, and I tested all these different things with how to use Twitter. So if you're trying to use Twitter, you can use Hootsuite to like pre-program tweets and all this stuff. Yeah. So um. So I tested all these different elements of ways to promote stuff, but what I had never done was done them all at the same time. <laughs> so 
I'm sitting there for like two or three days. I'm going to trip hop blogs and posting the link. I'm sending it to like Defunk and he's sharing the link and I'm sending it to all these different producers and I'm sending it, messaging it to people. And I'm just like, I was just spamming it all over the internet. You know? And as a result of doing that for two days, it triggered some kind of, because it was all coming from the same computer, the same IP address. So it triggered some kind of YouTube spam alert thing. So there you go, folks. <laughs> Don't, uh, if you're going to do that kind of stuff, promote your stuff that way. Just you know, make sure you're doing it or make sure there's a group of people doing it. Because that's the thing. If it was a band doing it, it would be um, you know, five different people in five different locations. But because it was all coming from one computer, it triggered oh, a spam alert. And so they just went, ding, pull it off into YouTube. So gotcha, now it's on gotcha. Vimeo. It is back up on YouTube. So uh, Very cool. Yes. But it will be a link from our website to it as well. Google is very strict. I've had to get myself out of Google prison once or twice. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yes. they they like to drop the hammer. Um, well, thanks so much, Pete. This it's been a great interview. You gave so much cool information. I, like I said, I love the fresh approach you have to making music. It, it, you put the fun back in it. You know, <laughs> no worries, Steve. Yeah, no, it's 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 been an epic adventure, and and the awesome thing is, I get the feeling it's only just beginning. Yes, so yes, it's best exciting. Of luck. Yeah, I hope you can come back on in the future. Uh, you know, and we'll talk to. about your next album that you probably aren't going to make, aren't going to master. Absolutely. Yourself. I'll just, well, I'm finishing this one today, so I figure by tomorrow I'll have another ten songs ready to go. <laughs> there you yeah. go. So we roll. Just make an album in today. It's fine. Perfect. Yeah. Well, everybody who's listening, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you want to uh, listen to the show again, just go to theproducer.club. That's our website where we host everything. You could also hit up our SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com/slash/theproducerpodcast. And all the show notes for this show are going to be on both of those places. So go check it out. Follow us on SoundCloud. Go to iTunes. Subscribe to the show. We're in so many places. So any way you guys want to support us, we appreciate that. That's going to be it for the Producer Podcast for today. See you next time.